Hey everyone, hope you're having a fabulous day. I don't know what day of quarantine or shelter in place this is for you, but hopefully you're finding ways to better yourself, to be prepared to serve your coworkers, your colleagues, and the players that we work with every single day. Today, we're gonna to talk to our strength and conditioning coach, not a basketball coach, but I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about her role in developing student athletes and helping them do everything we need them to do and helping them reach their goals on the basketball floor. Um, before that, I do wanna plug a couple things. One, the WBCA. Coaches of women's and girls basketball, the WBCA is your community. Since 1981, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association has been there advocating for our sport and supporting coaches at every level. They have amazing in-person educational opportunities like the WBCA convention, which is held in conjunction with the NCAA Women's Final Four, as well as regional coaches classroom clinics. They have e-learning through their monthly webinar series, as well as over 700 videos, plays, and drills on their website, www.wbca.org. Along with information, they are the place you go to expand your network. The Coach to Coach Mentoring Program connects members throughout the season and their in-person mentoring madness sessions puts you next to other experienced head and assistant coaches that can give you instant feedback and help you meet whatever challenges you might be facing. The WBCA is there to give you all the tools you need to be your best. Learn more today at www.wbca.org and become part of this premier coaching association. Also, just want to give a shout out to my brother, Hernando Planels. Please go follow everything he does in terms of leadership and personal development. Uh, you can listen to his podcast, The Be Contagious Leadership Experience, available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please rate and subscribe. And after today, please make sure you go on iTunes and rate and subscribe. My podcast, the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has drills and different speaking things, and it will continue to have our video podcasts up as well. And with that, uh, I hope you sit back and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is Adam with the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. Today, very thrilled to have Frances Stevenson on. She is the Olympic Director of Sport Performance here at NIU, so I get to work really closely with her. In, our, uh, in her umbrella at NIU, she's got us, women's basketball, women's soccer, volleyball, and softball. Um, we're primarily going to talk about her involvement with women's basketball today and kind of her career path. And I thought, you know, after working with her just a few months, I thought she'd be a great guest to have just her perspective on how she gets her athletes to be the best and kind of talk about how she's going to make my post players monsters as she's <laughs> already. But Francis, how are you doing today? <clears throat> I'm doing, uh, I'm doing very good. I'm glad to be here. 
Good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's let's first get started. You know, this again, we've only been around each other for a few months, so there's a lot of still getting to know you involved. And I think your your path, your your journey is kind of an interesting one. So uh, let's start there. I know you grew up in California, correct? And did I, yes, born and raised in Los Angeles. Oh wow. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Because we're gonna talk about Kobe later <laughs> and mama mentality. So that'll be good. Yeah. But, so born and raised in LA, tell us about your, like, your athletic background and then what led you to college and then also getting into this, this world you live in now. Yeah, um, so I was a soccer athlete, um, despite the fact that I spent a lot of my professional time with basketball. Um, I did play soccer, um, went to school at Cal State Northridge, and I was fortunate enough to do my um, undergraduate and my graduate education there. Um, and then later actually be able to coach there. So pretty cool um, turn of events there. But uh, when I was finishing on my undergraduate, I got connected with a strength coach at a local um, junior college, um, started interning for him, learning about the field, and I fell in love. Um, so pursued a master's in biomechanics to kind of further uh, my career in that way. And it, it's kind of gone from there. Awesome. Awesome. So was that was it your first job at your alma mater? No. Um, so I did a few internships and then, yeah, CSUN was, uh, was my first one. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. When did you know, now I know this, but I'm going to ask you, so you were thinking something in, in the healthcare field, when right. did you know, Hey, my mindset, I, I feel a passion, a strong desire to be in the strength and conditioning world. When did you feel that? Yeah. Um, so I did not feel that until I walked into that weird room to get that internship. I was kind of floundering a little bit. So I was pre-med when I was in uh, undergraduate. I was pre-med for three years um, on track to try to get into med school and was unhappy and like, hey, I, you know, if I don't like this right now, good chance I'm not going to last for the next eight years of college, right? Right. Um, so I started looking for something else, trying to figure out, you know, what, what do I like? What am I going to be good at? Tried a couple different things um, within, you know, the field of kinesiology, since that was my major anyways. Um, and it was just by random that I got connected with the strength coach. And when I first day, he, um, accepted me into the internship program and it was a wrap. Like that was the first time I have felt like at peace in my environment and like, man, this is home. Um, so it was, it was really an accident, a, a very fortunate accident, but, um, yeah, that first day in the weight room, when the teams got in there, I was like, man, I don't, I cannot believe that I did not know. Um, so. Oh, that's so, that's so yeah. cool. at, at what point was it in that internship as well that you were like, okay, I came up through soccer, but I feel basketball coming on really strongly. Was it already from the get or did that take a few years, a couple internships, a couple jobs? Yeah, that definitely took a couple jobs. So my internship with him, um, I did work with men's basketball while I was there, but my primary responsibilities were with football. Um, so the first half of my career really was me working with football, me pursuing football. Um, and that's what I wanted. It wasn't until I was at New Mexico state, um, that I was like, yeah, I, I like football, but you know what? Basketball might be it, you know, like this is fun. Um, you know, a little bit more enjoyable for me. So it, it wasn't until halfway through my career till this point that I was like, yeah, basketball, basketball is a lot more fun than football. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then as you're navigating early, then how does it lead you to knowing Olympic director is the next job for you? Like, I, I, I don't like, well, how, yeah. obviously like in basketball, there's, you know, you're going to GA, then you're going to, some people go ops, 
and then some people go assistant at a lower level then jump around like how did you know olympic director was like a a destination position for you yeah i think um you kind of learn early in this field that that football and Olympic are separate at most schools. Now, some schools it's, it's connected. Um, so like at New Mexico state, we all worked football and we all had Olympic sports, um, but a lot of different places, football and Olympic are separate. Like, um, like here we have a football director. We, and then I'm the Olympic director. Um, so I think you kind of learn that if you're going to pursue football, that's the way you're going to go. And you might have Olympic teams. If you're not pursuing football, which was a decision that I, you know, I made that, Hey, I'm not trying to be a football five coach. Maybe at some point in my career, I do want to work with football again, mm-hmm. but you know, I want my main responsibilities to be with the Olympic sports. Then that's the direction you go. And then, you know, you try to ascend to that level of Olympic director or, or specialize one or the other. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then also in your industry, much bigger than basketball, there is the, the private sector too, right? There are some people that end up going into personal training. Right. That's another huge component because there's obviously financially, it's, it's a lucrative option sometimes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I think could, a lot of people have oh. that experience. Um, most, most people I know, I think a lot of us probably started out or early on in our career, we're personal trainer doing some type of private sector. So I think a lot of us have that experience, but it's, so much different experience than being in the weight room with athletes. (laughs) Right. Right. Actually. Yeah. I want, let's, let's stay on that. Why, why in university in NCAA athletics versus private, what is it about teams um, and being a part of a staff support staff that kind of does it for you and and it helps you get up every day? Yeah. I mean, it's family. Like when, when you're around teams, when you're around a staff, like that is your family, you know, and it's, I think for us being on the other side of being an athlete also, like it helps you still feel like you're on a team, you know, like, Hey, we're all in this together. Like we're going to war together today. Um, so I think, you know, that's when it's, it's the culture, it's the environment. Like there's nothing like being in a weight room with athletes, you know, it's a lot different than, um, you know, I've worked a couple of different private sectors. So I did, um, you know, work part-time at a strength and conditioning facility where I was working with, um, high school athletes and the general population and it's still fun to train people period you know that's what I like to do but there I mean you know the energy in the room is not the same the way you can talk to people the things you can relate um, you know and then an ultimate goal like when you're with a team like your goal is to get better so that you can win um, and you know that driving competitive spirit I think that's infectious <laughs> right right yeah for sure so yeah. So now going back to you, you get your internship, you weren't sold until you walked into the weight room, then boom, like I, I, you kind of strike me as a little bit of a a junkie with some of this stuff. What then did, what were things you sought out when you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I want to make this not just an internship. I want to make this a career, a calling. What did you start doing at that point at CSUN and that internship to, to prepare yourself to be eventually the director that you are now? Yeah. Um, I think in our field, you, you have to have a time investment. So you have to be in the weight room as much as possible to learn. Um, you know, you have to gain people's respect also, right? So in an internship or depending on the internship, you know, you might be given small jobs, but you know, training athletes is a big deal and it's important. Um, you know, so you're not always trusted like, Hey, go coach squats. So you have to learn, you have to be invested in being in the weight room hearing what the coaches are saying, doing your own workouts, um, and then absorbing whatever resource, whatever coach you're working with, whatever resources that they believe in, you have to absorb it. So like if you, you know, if you go into my other room and you see my books, 
I have a million books that when I was starting out, they're like, you have to read this, 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 and this. And then the next place you go, well, I need you to read this and this. So absorbing as much, it's like a, it's like being in school when you first right. started. Um, but it is just getting information, educating yourself. Cause there's a lot of different ways to do this and everyone's got an opinion on how to do it. Um, but I think the more, you know, the easier it is to figure out what your philosophy is and then, you know, connecting with people. Right. I think we all know, especially in athletics, who, you know, matters a lot. Um, so, you know, reaching out to other coaches, getting in contact, going to conferences and stuff like that, and then getting different experiences, um, different internships. So I think that's, what I spent a lot of my time doing at that time. <laughs> right. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, taking that into consideration. So I know there's a couple, like I mentioned this to you, I have some friends that will listen to this who are lower level coaches. They kind of mm -hmm. strength programs and things like that on their own you yeah. books. What are a couple books that if you're a basketball coach listening to this and you've got to create your own strength plan or develop a philosophy on women's basketball, strength and conditioning, what, what are a couple good books you'd advise people to uh, read? Um, I think the one book, if you go into any uh, office in this country of, in the weight room, um, the book that they're all going to have is the science and practice of strength and conditioning. Okay. Um, it's by Zets Iorski. Um, and that's the one, that's the first one. Like when you walk into an internship, they say, have you read this book? No, come back when you have. Um, so pretty much any philosophy, any basis of foundation is going to be in that book. And then, you know, you kind of go from there, but that's the one that, it, you know, you got to start with that one. If you haven't read it, get out of the weight room and come back. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So that, that's the, that's the, uh, industry standard. What's your one, uh, favorite one from early on? Do you have a favorite? that helps shape your, your philosophy in the way or I guess it can be, um, it can be mental stuff too. Like if you have yeah. one of those that you think applies to the weight room. I definitely have a mental one. I think, you know, the, the ones about writing programs are, I'm a little biased, right? I know what I believe in. So, right. uh, you know, I wouldn't want to push anyone that way. Um, cause programming is one thing, but the one book that I love that I'll go back to that I'll read over and over again is you went in the locker room first hmm. by, uh, by Mike Smith. Right. Um, and I think that that is applicable across the board. It doesn't matter what level you're coaching in. It doesn't matter if you're a sports coach, strength coach, it doesn't matter. Like, read that book. That is a phenomenal book. And it says a lot of stuff that I think we already know, but that's a good book. <laughs> right. So when Coach Smith in that book, he talks about, like, going through the facility and, like, making his rounds. Yeah. You, be honest. Do you, do you judge the coaches that don't swing by the weight room <laughs> to check in with you? You, you can say uh, it because I'm, I'm always there. So it's okay. You can say it. <laughs> Um, I try not to judge and everyone's got a different philosophy, but I do think it's easier to connect with those people. And I think that you, you can see a clear path of success hmm. with those people, right? Like success follows certain people for a reason, sure. you know, so when you're doing those little things, I think success follows you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. That is a great book, regardless of yeah. sport or industry that, yeah. and like you said, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, Oh, you know what? I've heard that or I understand that concept, but mm -hmm. it just puts it all together. Oh, know, for sure. Which is I love great. it. Okay. So now some of your friends from back home, if they hear this, they might be, they won't be surprised, but some might be a little half-heartedly <laughs> offended. Why do you like training basketball athletes instead of your sisters in soccer? Why, why is that the <laughs> preference? You know, um, Basketball is a phenomenal sport and I love the culture of basketball. The culture on the court in practice in the weight room the energy that basketball athletes bring into the weight room is different and I think 
any any sport has its own culture, right? Any sport has its own energy. So if I'm training baseball, like I can make some generalizations about every baseball team across the board that I've ever worked with, right? The personality or the approach. Same thing with basketball. And I love the intensity. Um, I love, like I said, the energy. Those are kids that, you know, you can't push those kids around, you know? There's a, there's a little edge, there's a little toughness to basketball, and I love that. Um, and I also like the challenge, too, right? Like, basketball's not going to, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, whatever. Like, it's they want to know why. They want to ask me questions. They want to, hey, can you do that? You asked me to do that. Can you do it, right? Get, yeah. So there's that competitive edge to them, and I love the game, right? Um, honestly, if I had been good at basketball, that would have been my choice, but um, uh, not quite talented enough. Uh, I was good at soccer, and that's why I played soccer. Honestly, that's my most honest answer I could give you. <laughs> um but I love, I love basketball. I love training athletes like that. And, you know, you get a variety of athletes too, right? Depending on what team, depending on how you're recruiting, when you look at the positions, like you're training bodies. So. Right. That's funny <laughs> you say that about what sport you're good at. Cause if I grew up playing soccer through eighth grade, if I was any good at soccer, I think I would have continued. It was my favorite, <laughs> it was my favorite sport to play growing up. And really? then I'm, I'm a basketball junkie. So I've always played basketball, but soccer was so much fun. And then at a young age, I felt the correlation with like yeah. conditioning, stamina, footwork. I felt yeah. like kids that played soccer had better footwork. Um, but then we got to high school and then in the fall in Chicagoland, so boys soccer is a fall sport. So I decided to run cross country so I could still play, like practice with basketball or like, you know, go to optional workouts. So right soccer conflicted so I didn't do that but that's it's crazy you say it's the opposite for you that's pretty yeah, funny yeah that is funny <laughs> do you still stay in touch with your first boss at CSUN that hired you to that first internship um yeah we stay connected I try as much as I can to stay connected to as many people as possible I mean I think you know when I was at CSUN there are several people that I worked with and I, you know I think at any at any place you know personalities click differently so you know certain people I'm a little bit more connected with than others um, certain people influence me more than others um, you know so I try to reach out follow see what they're doing you know um, but you know more so with some people than others and I think that's the same anywhere I've been you know sure. some people are connected with but um, you know I think it's good to stay connected right you never know who's going to be where who's doing what what you can learn um, and I've been really fortunate to work with really good people so it's not hard to <laughs> stay in touch Right. Present, present company excluded though. Are you're, you're Zach and Sal and Nat. I don't know. I don't know about those guys, but, um, the one, the one cool thing you said though, obviously regardless of how much they impact you or what exactly they do for you in your career, I think we all, we both can agree. You can take something from anyone that you worked with or worked for. So for sure. going back to that first boss, what is something you took? Is, is it he, is it he, a him? Yeah. What's yeah. something you took from him that's like still sticks with you today, whether that's in programming or how you impact student athletes? Yeah, I think from him, it, it working with Jeff, his name's Jeff, Jeff Crowley. Um, he, I think, opened my eyes to how you can be an individual in strength and conditioning. Because I think when you're coming up, you're trying to fit a mold, right? And they're up until this point or up until, you know, recently there is a stigma or there is a presence or is there a, a look right like a certain person that is a strength coach like you can pick them out and then run and I think what Jeff taught me the most and what I loved about that program is, is 
being an individual, right? Like he approached his program and never tried to be something that he wasn't, you know? Um, and we didn't have football there. So that, there wasn't that, you know, um, that culture there. Um, so he worked only with Olympic sports. And I think I just learned from him. Like I got comfortable in my own skin there, right? Like I was allowed to be who I needed to be to reach my athletes best. And I, I think that's what I took the most. And that's a big lesson to learn, right? Like be yourself and then go from there. So I think that was a big deal. Is, uh, okay, so then from there, from that first job, where did you go next? New Mexico State. Okay, so at New Mexico State, yeah. you know, same question. What did you take there that's still present in your heart and in your mind today? I learned a lot in New Mexico State. Um, but, you know, the people there um, and my boss, been in the game for a long time, right? Uh, was in the SEC for a long time. Um, so there was a demand for excellence all day, every day, no matter what you are doing. And I think I developed their structure, um, you know, and, and uh, over-organization, maybe. It's a, good, <laughs> it's a good way to say that. Um, you know, programming, like, we did a lot of great stuff there. And we had a bigger – I had a bigger staff there. So there's more people for me to learn from. Okay. Um, you know, and I think working on a team, like, you know, that was – had worked with football a lot, but that was my first time in a big football program or in a, you know, a serious football program. Um, you know, so functioning on that team, like I said, like, that's like going to war every day. So those are my people. I was my family. Um, you know, so I, I think I learned plenty there, learned how to, you know, be better for my athletes from a programming standpoint. Um, you know, get a lot deeper into the science aspect of this, you know, um, and, and different levels. We had a lot of technology in that weight room, which was very fortunate. So I learned a massive amount of, you know, hey, how can it checks and balances, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of places don't have that. A lot of people aren't fortunate enough. I think it's going to that in this industry, but I learned a lot about that. And then I think um, came into my own a little bit more, especially with basketball, um, you know, was able to make myself who I, who I wanted to be with those teams and then invest in those teams. So I think, you know, I definitely came into who I knew I needed to be in this field to, to be good for my athletes there. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. from there, how many years were you there? I was there for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Okay. And then yeah. from there, next move was? North Carolina a &T. Okay. North Carolina a &T. This is a unique <laughs> situation. You were technically – Although you were in charge of strength and conditioning, you technically mm -hmm. also were on the staff, right? You were director yeah. of player development. Yes. So talk, talk me through that dynamic yep. and your responsibilities there. Uh, that was definitely a unique position, but I loved it. Mm. Um, so I was only with women's basketball. So my boss was not a strength coach. It was the head basketball coach, Terrell Robinson. Um, and I was in charge of all the strength and conditioning. Um, I played a massive role in nutrition, um, you know, and, and things like that. But I was also involved in the basketball side of it, which was new and very eye-opening. Um, you know, I was at practice every single day. Um, I was a part of the recruiting process, a bigger part of the recruiting process. Okay. Um, you know, I, I did a, a lot of things that I was like um, – had never done before, you know, like I've been in the industry for a long time. I'm like, yeah, I feel really confident about strength and conditioning. And I got there, I'm like, I know nothing about being a basketball coach, you know, right. being on a basketball staff. So it was definitely a growth time for me. Um, but I, I definitely learned a lot of, I think, I think that job will help me as I go forward. Um, not only because of, you know, the influence I was able to have on the strength and conditioning side, but 
because I feel like I understand coaches a little bit better now, right? Like if you see what coaches do every day, it is vastly different than what I do every day, right? I'm a strength coach, but being a basketball coach, like, you know, so I feel like if there is a conflict or if there is a disagreement, I, I have a little bit more insight into, okay, like maybe this is what they've been doing all day long. And this is how they feel. Or these are the things that come up in the office. And this is why we're having this conversation. Exactly. Um, so I was definitely eye opening, but I did. I love that job. That was a very difficult job to leave. Um, you know, because there was an investment in strength conditioning too, right? They had their own strength coach because they were invested in the process they're invested in what that did for their kids um and those athletes out there are tough man so you know training them was a lot of fun difficult but it was a lot of fun and then that was a super successful program too so to be a part of every aspect of something like that and to have a boss that that invests in you like that was amazing <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah awesome. well difficult to lead but leave but obviously we're happy you're here at niu um, and so obviously then the next job was just recently here at NIU, right. even in a few short months, I'll keep the same question. What, what are some things you kind of have picked up already here, you know, with your peers, uh, <laughs> how we do things here at NIU? Yeah, I think, um, this position has been great because I, well, the, one of the, the big reasons I took this position is I had to look at, you know, what are my objectives? What are my goals? Because um, like I said, that last one, was, that was a difficult choice. So in making that decision to come here, my decision really was based on the fact that I want to impact as many athletes as I can. And this position allows me to do that because now I have a staff. Um, you know, so being the director of Olympic sports, I have three people that are working um, with alongside, you, yeah. alongside of me yeah um that i can help develop right so if i can get if i can impact them then i can impact their athletes as well right if i can develop those skills that i know we need if i can teach them how to care in a different level if i can teach them how to you know whatever it is then i've impacted more athletes and that's my ultimate goal um you know so that was my my main motive for coming here is you know i can help develop people and you know and obviously work with the teams and the coaches that I get to work with. Um, I also had, um, so the director of, a, of football here, Coach Knapp, um, had known previously, and that was another pulling factor is that, hey, I know, you know, I'm going to be able to work with somebody that, is, that wants to move this industry forward, right? Is a forward thinker, um, you know, is intelligent in his field, has been successful, and that I can pair side, side by side, right? Director of football, director of Olympic sports, and we can potentially educate and move this field forward. Right. Um, and, and so that was a big drawing factor to me. And I think that we've done that so far, right? Like we've had, we have a lot of staff development going on. Um, you know, my staff is coming along. So I think it's been really great. Yeah, I think it's been a good decision. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I love it. I love it. Uh, now we've covered that timeline for you. want to go back to North Carolina Ames. <clears throat> you said you were heavily involved in nutrition so again mm -hmm. if you're if you're a coach listening to this are there any books anything on the internet anything you've learned that you could or any reference you have that you could point someone to and be like hey you're a basketball coach take a look at this <laughs> from a nutritional education standpoint that could maybe help your program huh i don't know if if there's one that's a good question i think there's a lot of different philosophies on nutrition. Like nutrition is the tough one, right? Because there's no one set way. And there's, I don't think like you can prove your point with any different philosophy in nutrition. Um, so from my own eyes, right. I was just trying to get people to eat. Like 
let's eat food, let's get calories into your body, let's not go from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. without eating, and you have practice and weightlift and whatever you've done. Um, so I think that was what I focused on, and then my own personal philosophy of clean eating, you know. Um, a lot of people give me a hard time about it, but I do eat a vegan, um, a lot of people in your office give you a hard time. Yeah, everybody gives me a hard Not time. Not on this podcast, though. So you're vegan. I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> yes, my office does give me a hard time. It comes up in every conversation we have. But, um, you know, it, you can have a different philosophy and a different belief system. And I think it's – I was fortunate enough to work with 15 girls there, right? So I was able to cater to their belief systems, cater to their likes, their dislikes a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a little bit more. So, But I think it's just about – figuring out what philosophy you have and then how do you develop the philosophies in other people? Um, so I, I don't know if I would lean towards one book or not. I would say the more things that you can read, the, the more philosophies that you can be familiar with, the more that you can understand what you believe in. And then also with yourself, right? Like if you eat a certain diet or you go a certain way with nutrition, then you know how you feel. You know, I know if I eat a massive amount of carbs at night, I don't feel great in the morning. I'm tired and I, you know, I probably need more coffee. Right. Um, you know, so managing what I eat when is something that I believe in just because of how I feel. And that's something that you can pass on to kids uh, or to athletes, not kids. Um, but you know, I think educating yourself and then get them to eat, eat food, eat food, eat food. (laughs) How about this? I'll take the question from a different angle. Are there certain like, Obviously, what are some of the factors, the, the markers, the indicators that you use when you're designing um, like a nutrition plan for a female basketball player, female student athlete? Obviously, like one thing you already mentioned, schedule and like the intensity of your day. What are some of the other yeah. things? Obviously, you, I would assume you use like the weight scale as one of those tools. Like what are some other yeah. things for, again, as people research? Right. About? Um, I think... Well, so my approach to it uh, with weight is mostly just tracking hydration. So unless I have somebody come in that has some type of body weight um, discrepancy or, you know, a kid that has a hard time keeping weight on or somebody that maybe you need to um, to work with so that they can perform a little bit better on the court. But the scale for me is mostly tracking hydration. Hydration is a big part. If you can educate yourself about hydration, about, you know, how many pounds an athlete can lose in a practice, that's a, that's a massive aspect of it. Um, you know, and then going from there, my general philosophy is to add before you take out. So athletes will come to you all the time. I need to change my diet. I need to fix my diet. I'm cutting this, 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 and this out. Hold on, like slow down. Let's add good things in before we take stuff out. Right. Um, you know, so getting them to add, so I'll have, you know, mini goals for them. Like, Hey, this week, I want you to add one cup of a green vegetable to every meal. So, hey, go buy a big bag of frozen broccoli. Super easy, right? Cheap, heat it up, eat it with your meal. Um, Okay, now next week, you got that broccoli. Now let's add a cup of, you know, red or blue um, fruits, you know? And so that way you're getting them to get the nutrients that they need. And that's kind of my approach is what nutrients do they need in their body? Um, And then you can start to scale back like, hey, maybe we're not going to cut it out, but we're only going to go eat fast food once this week. Or we're only going to eat fried food once this week. Um, you know, something like that. So that's my, my general philosophy is add in good things, the things that you know that they need before you start to weed stuff out. Um, because when they cut stuff out, you know, you get athletes that drop it. Like if they stick to it, right, they'll drop a massive amount of weight. Now you're affecting performance. 
So it has to be performance based, whatever your philosophy is. You like, remember, and I'll tell them all the time, you know, if I have athletes that are like, Oh, I, you know, I'm on six packs or I want to look like this. Well, do you, how do you feel on the court? Right? I need to lose 10 pounds. Well, how do you feel on the court? I'm okay. Okay. Well, you have the rest of your life to lose 10 pounds and look however you want. Let's talk about performance. If this is affecting performance, let's go from that aspect. And I think that way you avoid some of those issues that come along with body image, weight, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, my general philosophy, performance-based, and then add good before you take out bad. Gotcha. Okay, you can be honest. Uh, do you ever sway vegan? Do you ever, you know, when we're talking nutrition here, do you ever try to nudge people that way? It's okay. If, uh, if somebody asks me a question, I will answer it as honestly as I possibly can. And I obviously have a very strong belief system about it, um, but... You know, I've had people ask me, well, why? And if I explain to them or, hey, like, you know, uh, I want to watch a documentary. I want something. I'll give you something. Right. Um, and then you decide. And I have had athletes in the past, like, man, I watched this or have come to me, even maybe without knowing that that's my diet. And like, I want to cut meat out. And I'm like, I got a plan for you. Like, let's do this. Um, right. So that's obviously exciting to me because that's what I believe. Um, but I know there's, you know, there's plenty of different belief systems out there. I'm, I'm biased towards mine. But, <laughs> um, you know. You, it's, it's all about belief systems different people have different belief systems so try to empower them whatever way you can but there are a lot more vegan athletes now there's plenty of uh plenty of people doing great stuff and it's not just you know i mean there's weightlifters there's strong men there's everybody so right. not a, it's not a bad diet that stigma that comes around it that oh wait you know football players can't do that well that's not true we had a vegetarian football player at new mexico state who was six seven you know almost 300 pounds it was a beast Right. Uh, so you can do it. There's just appropriate ways to do it. You just got to educate them and give them those resources to be able right. to do it. Yeah. And I can tell how strongly you're well-versed in this because <laughs> you have to defend yourself daily. <laughs> Very true. I do. Yeah. That office gets a little heated when I bring my lunch and they're like, Oh, what is it? She's cranky because she doesn't have meat. I think they're, I think they're all currently smoking meat right now. Or <laughs> all doing I'm sure thing. they are. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Well, the, the next thing I want to go into, I thought this was very unique. Now, I have, um, I've come from a lot of lower levels. Like I've been a high school coach, youth coach, grade school coach, been at the NAI level, didn't have a strength coach. Division two level, didn't have a strength coach. So coming here to NIU, we finally were like, wow, we were gifted. We were blessed with strength coaches and people who knew what they were talking about. And, um, so I do have a limited knowledge with that. So that being said, I think it's been really cool because I don't know how many strength coaches take the approach that you do that believe culture also applies to the weight room. And that's <clears throat> I'm admired about you just even enlightening me briefly about what your goals are for our team in particular moving forward. Can you kind of talk about how you decided, wow, culture needs to feed into the program's culture and work hand in hand, weight room on the court. <clears throat> what we do and it's not just oh they have a team culture over here then the weight room's just it's its own building it's its right. own place how where did you first realize that 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 was important and then yeah. let's talk about <clears throat> how you want to implement it and like some of the stuff that you've already presented to me but I'd love to share it yeah yes as well yeah I think um the role of a strength coach as much as I think our pride gets in the way sometimes, like we are support staff, right? So our job is to support the team, um, you know, support the coach. Um, so whatever the vision of the coach is, that's what it, what it kind of needs to be. Um, and so I think when that really clicked with me, 
um, was when I was at New Mexico State, I was working with um, Coach Atkinson out there. And um, throughout the season, I had heard her mention certain things to kids, like, this is what I need you to be um, on the court. This is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need. Um, and then, you know, we, we won a regular season championship and we got to the finals and we, uh, we didn't make it all the way. Um, obviously not what we wanted. And that was a moment where in the locker room, she looked straight at me and she said, like, what the heck? Um, and I was like, like, I don't know, coach. Uh, she's just frustrated. It was just like, you know, back and forth. And she was looking at me for answers. Um, and I said, what do you need? And she said, this is what I need. Right. And gave me the, the mantra. Um, I'm not going to repeat it, but it was the mantra. Um, and so I thought, thought about it. And was I, it as clean language as you just said right there? Or was it? <laughs> cool, every, uh, you know, but, um, you know, she, she gave it to me like, this is, this is what I need on the court. Um, and in that moment, obviously a frustrating moment and all this, um, you know, feeling whatever we were feeling. And so when I went to look at what am I going to do in this off season, um, how am I going to help? It, it just clicked with me. I was like, this is what she needs. This is what I need to create. Um, so I walked in first day of off season and I had a little packet for everybody. And I said, Hey, this is the game we're playing. Uh, I'll, I'll change it. I'll, we're playing monsters in the making. We're making monsters this off season. So I set that up with that in mind, that that's who she wants on the court. She wants monsters on the court. I'm going to get, I'm going to put monsters on the court, right? Whatever you give me, I'm going to turn that. Even if you bring me a baby monster, right? We're going to turn them into a teenage monster. Um, you know, and I think that's when that clicked for me, how much of an impact you can have on culture in the weight room, right? It's not just about, okay, I put weight on the bar today. I was successful. Like, no, did I give that coach what they want? And we, I mean, we drove that home and it was so cool to see. Um, I mean, we went on to win the championship next year. Right. And I'm, you know, not saying that that was because of what I did, but I feel like I had a, you know, I had a hand or I supported what they were doing so that they could get there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was cool to see the kids buying it. Like that was the first time that I really had athletes buy it, you know, um, because all summer long, it was like slammed into them every single day. There was something to create some type of conflict that they had to rise to the, not racing level, but you know, trained to be a monster. Like, were you a monster today or did you fail? Like one or the other, you don't have a choice. Like you're either a monster or you're not. Right. Um, and so by the end of the season, they had, uh, the athletes had named their own group text, their personal group text. Um, monsters in the making and I thought it was so cool and I you know I had no idea somebody just sent me a screenshot of something someone said and I said you guys named your you know your group that and they had bought in right when they broke for the championship it was you know monsters on three one two three um you know and it was it was just cool and I think that's when that clicked for me and when I was like this is what I need to do for every single team every single way that I work it that I walk into is what does that coach want and how do I create that in the weird and I think there's plenty of ways to do that you know already they're faced with adversity and challenge when they come into the weight room like they don't come to college to squat you know and not many people like if I put heavy weight on your back you're probably going to be upset about it that's already adversity so how do I how do I create that mindset with you that I'm gonna go be a monster it's gonna turn me into a monster um and so I think that's when I when when that clicked with me was her coach Atkinson having that conversation being like this is what I need and me being like oh I can you know I can do that I can help you do that right and then her also trusting me to Right. Cause that program, that off season program was pretty killer. Um, you know, and, and we worked hand in hand and that was, I think a good moment for me to be like, Hey, it's not, it's not me hoping that a coach is okay with what I'm doing. It's me doing something for a coach and her trusting me right. or him. 
whatever it is, you know? So, and I think that's when that clicked and that was a fun season. That was an amazing season. Um, and, it, uh, you know, having the same culture, like I can go to practice and they're having the same language as when I come and when we come into the weight room, you know, like this is what we're trying to do. And clearly it leads to success, right? When everybody has the same goal in mind or same, not, not necessarily same approach, right? Cause my conversation or whatever is going to be, is going to be a little bit different than what it is on the court. But I, you know, when you're all preaching the same language, it's hard. You're going to see the people that buy in and the people who don't, right? And, the, and those are the people that end up on the court, and that's how we win. So, you know, ultimate goal, yeah, I want people to squat heavy. I love when they bench heavy. But at the end of the day, are, do, do we win or not? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that, that needs to be the goal, um, you know. And I'll tell kids that all the time, or athletes, don't want to call them kids. I'll tell athletes that all the time, you know, hey, I, I love if you bench heavy, but – is that translating to the court, right? If you come in here and do an extra workout, that's phenomenal. I love the work ethic, but did that translate to the court? It has to translate to the court. Um, so I think if we can keep egos in check and understand, like, my job is to help them perform on the court or on the field or in the water, whatever it is, um, you know, that allows you to have a better culture, period. And then a better relationship with a coach, too. If you're not head-to-head -head with a coach, like, whatever it is, then that makes you more successful in and of itself. For sure. For sure. Let's, let's go back. Let's circle back to the packet. What are, what were the pillars? Now, obviously some stuff might be New Mexico state specific, but right. what are some of your general cultural weight room pillars that I'm sure originated mm -hmm. in the packet and I'm sure our, our players, not our kids, will get to experience this summer. Yeah. Talk um, I'd love to hear it. Number one, and I take this everywhere I go, and I've said this before, and people who have worked with me and athletes that I've trained know this rule, um, but we don't use the word can't in the weight room. Um, and, you know, I've talked to, uh, to our team a little bit about this here. Um, that just creates a mindset around you, right? You're, you're setting a limit. So if I come in and I say, hey, we're doing pull-ups, and one of the post players say, I can't do that, well, after weights, we're about to go run a hill for that can't. So they know I don't say can't, right? And then they start to – it makes them conscious of what's coming out of their mouth, right? Um, it creates accountability, right? And then they start to pay attention to things. So, you know, you're not going to tell me you can't do something. You can tell me I'm not strong enough right now and less trained to be strong enough to do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, same way as you would – I mean, I can imagine your head would explode if someone's like, I can't defend something, right? And I'm going to be like, what are you talking about? We're going to train to be able to do this. Um, so the can't rule is my number one that goes everywhere. doesn't matter what team it is. We don't say can't. Um, no complaining. So, you know, complaining is just an excuse. And, you know, we don't want excuses, right? There's, there's plenty of different ways to do stuff. So no complaining um, was a big one for me. And if you complain, you know, we're about to go do something. Right? We're going to do some character development. Um, and we're not going to complain. Um, body language was a big one. Um, so we're not going to fold our arms. We're not going to sit down. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to do different stuff, um, like that. So those, those are big ones. And then, um, you know, having a competitive spirit was a big, big thing at that moment. We needed them to compete with each other. Um, so kind of put them into teams and create some conflict. But, but I think those three stay true no matter what team I'm training, no matter what school. Like, we're not going to say can't. So we're going to be cautious of what's coming out of our mouth. We're not going to complain because that's an excuse. And then we're going to have good body language because that's – I mean, and that carries over too. Like, the ball only bounces for so long. If you go through until you're 22 with bad body language, what happens when you go to your first interview or when somebody says something you don't like, you know? Um, and, and I think that that just creates culture too. Um, you know, I'll carry.
anything I do. So, yeah. No, I love it. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I'm jacked up. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> in the weight room now, Francis, you know? There you go. That's great. What? Okay. So, how has that evolved? So, that was a part of your first pack. Now, you, you take it on. You guys win the championship the next year. You go to A&T. Now, not only, you know, obviously, not only is it true to who you are, obviously, now it's a great marketing tool for yourself and how you present your programs and things right. like that. Now, what else has been added to it? Even something specific about our team. What What are some things that you've seen that, that the evolution of your pillars and, yeah. and cultural stuff? I think uh, I think you can learn a lot from different programs. When I went to A and T, um, that staff had been there for a while. They've been together for eight years, and it was a very very strong staff, um, very successful staff. And so they had very distinct pillars um, of culture. So their culture was. Um, was ingrained in that program. Um, so what I was able to do is kind of build off of those things. Um, so take those things like no ego was a big one, which I love, right? Um, you take ego out of anything, it creates opportunity. Um, so that was a big one for them. So I was just able to kind of implement my own mental conditioning, my own mindset with those pillars that they already had because those athletes already knew like, this is who we are, this is our identity. Um, and the coaches had already done a great job. So that was a program that I was able to, oh yeah, I really like this and I really like that. And I like how you implement this and then kind of put my spin on it. Um, so that was cool. And then here, I think, you know, introducing different things and every team, again, every team has its own culture, right? So working with four different teams, you got four different coaches that believe four different things potentially, um, you know, so, being willing to adjust, I think, is a, is a big thing, you know, because um, I know your team has their pillars and it's up in, in the locker room and, you know, that's the identity and this is who we are. Um, you know, soccer might have something different, right? We were working a lot on culture um, in this off season, and so it's implementing those things. Um, and, and I think sometimes being willing to pull stuff out um, – and, and implement different things that different coaches want. So, hey, maybe this is something I really want to do, but we need to save this for later, right. um, you know? And, and I think pride comes along with it too, right? Wherever you're at, like, just have pride in that program. Be about that program, I think, is something that has continues to be ingrained in me, right? And fi figure out ways to be prideful and a part of your program it is a big deal, you know? Even coming into, like, when you come into someplace that already has a culture, like, like a and like, let me be ex very excited. Let me be very proud to be part of this culture being here. You guys have your identity. Let me be proud to be part of that identity, adopt that identity, and then put my spin on it later. Right. I think it's a big deal. Wow. I love it. No, and I, I will say that. I think I definitely feel, I've been very happy with it. And I, I reflect what our staff feels, the investment that you have in our student athletes and our program and what you hope you do translates our success. I'm very appreciative of that. We definitely feel it in NIU women's basketball. And I think that's across the board here at NIU. So thank you. I do want to say that. Um, <clears throat> now, I've been anticipating this for a while. Talk to me about monsters. You know, <laughs> monster mindset, taking a baby monster and making <laughs> a monster. You're going to turn yeah. most players into monsters. Like, what, what did that come from? And then <laughs> – like, did it come from the Skillet song that you made me listen to the one day? <laughs> That's just had the happy accident, no. Okay. Um, the origination and then the implementation, <laughs> I, I want to hear. Um, monsters, man, that, I think that's my favorite analogy. Um, when I really got into basketball, when I was really um, becoming ingrained in, in a basketball program, and again, that was at New Mexico State, 
um, you know, working with our post players was a lot of fun, right? And and coaches, anytime I come into some place, you know, ask a coach, well, what do you want? Well, I need this for my post players. I need that for my guards. I need this. Um, and so the post players at, the, at that specific time, um, we, were, we were trying to develop some toughness and some different things, right? Um, and so I get, I get fired up in the weight room. I get pretty excited when we're doing stuff. And it just came out one day that, I, you know, I had somebody that, that was getting better, but I need them to be tougher, right? Like, just be tougher, be tougher. We're trying to create this conflict. And I finally told her, I need you to be a monster. And after that, I was like, that is what I need from post players, right? Like, look at how big you are. And that was my thing. I was like, look at how you are 6'5". Be a freaking monster, right? Like, strike fear into people's hearts when you step on the court. Like, I want people to be afraid of you. Right. Um, and I think that just stuck with me. And that's so exciting to me that I'm like, man, we need monsters out there. Like, when you get on the court, the other team should be like, oh, shoot. You know, like, collapse a little bit. Like, oh, man, I got to defend this person. And I think you can take that, I mean, you know, Again, we were trying to build toughness, and I was giving her a hard time about how big she was, but that doesn't matter. Like, you know, be a monster with whatever you're doing. So I think that that monster kind of resonates with me, and it just, like I said, just came out one day, and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's what we need. Um, and I love working with post players, and, uh, you know, any post players working with me knows that I like to give them a hard time. I like to mess around with them. I think mostly I'm just jealous I'm not 6'5". Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. I feel like I would get a lot done in my life if I walked into every room six five. Um, so, <laughs> um, but you know, and I think you can get buy-in from athletes too, right? Like, you know, same thing at A&T. They love that. Um, and you know, they had some monsters on that team already. Um, so, you know, creating that. And I, I just love that. It doesn't have to be monster. That's just my thing. Um, you know, but whatever it is, you can get them to buy into a personality and a persona, you know, I, I love it, but, you know, monsters, like, you think about someone just stomping on the court, slow motion, you know, and that's just so exciting to me, like, yeah, strike some fear in some people's hearts, you know, I love it. Um, like, be the toughest out there, be the baddest one out there, uh, and, you know, I love that personality, it doesn't click with everyone, but, right. you know, the ones that do, and they can embody that, that's fun. Right, right, <laughs> okay, so, so, I, I love that. That's a great, that's a great story. It's a great uh, origin story. So that <laughs> implementation wise, what, like you said, are, you talked about, are your kids going to be a monster in the weight room day to day? Like mm -hmm. this, this weight room session, were you a monster today? What are some of the things you look for? Like the tangible criteria you look for to say, Hey, you know what? Person a player, a, you were a monster today. What are some yeah. of those things that you try to elicit from them? Yeah. I think number one is don't back down. Like, um, you know, being able to toe up to the line, right? So, if, you know, if you think about your post player, right, they're going to the center to start the game. Well, are you going to back down? Are you going to toe up to that line and win every single time? Are you going to get up there every single time? And I think that that's, a, that's an image um, or, you know, that I tried to build or create or draw for them is toe up to the line, right? So if I put you under heavyweight in the offseason, toe up to the line. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Look at that weight and I'm going to do this, you know? Um, or if it's some type of competition, like we talked about, don't look at me like, oh, well, this person's going to beat me. Talk to that line and fight. Um, so I think that that spirit is, is number one, what I look for. Like you were a monster today. Like, did you talk to the line? And if you, that's, I think that's the biggest battle. Get them to get to that line and be like, I'm going to do this. And then half the time they're successful anyways. And you could be excited about that. Right. You know, so I think that and then, you know, I think it's important to create conflict and I'm big on that, like get them to 
stand, stand up for things, get them to embody the culture, get them to demand that from their teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when you get that, like you, you get two athletes that come head to head and you're, one of them is demanding the culture and demanding excellence. Um, I think that that's a really, really, really big deal. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, I love that. Just, did you tell it to the line? Like, yeah, you were a monster today. And then that translates too, right? Like I'll get texts from athletes. I got one recently that made me so happy. Um, that she was like, yeah, I put, you know, uh, I did so good in my game today. And I was like, tell me what happened. She was like, I was a freaking monster. I like love it, right? Like that makes me so happy. And they embody that. That's who I am now. Like I'm going to toe up. I'm going to fight under the basket, right? And I think that's why that resonates with me and coast players is they're the ones in there getting a little dirty. Yeah. Um, you know, be them, be a monster under there, you know? Um, so just toe up to line and fight, I think is the biggest thing. And and when you get athletes to fight and compete, you know, you usually get what you want out of them. So, right. Yeah. Right. So this is perfect, perfect segue. I want to tie it in. So monster is closely same letter. It's close to Mamba. <laughs> so did any of that play into the Mamba mentality? Did that play into the monster? Was it easier for you to come up with monster because you know, of the fandom for Kobe Bryant? I think, uh, there's definitely influence, you know, um, and everyone, I think everyone knows, uh, you know, I'm a Kobe fan. I grew up a Lakers fan. Kobe, uh, Kobe was my, I don't want to say idol, but he was my, somebody who I looked up to. And he, he embodied that personality and that persona to a T. Right. And I think that's, you know, one of, the, one of the things, one of the many things that is so impressive about Kobe is, you know, he said, like, I'm the black mamba. And then he embodied it. He did that every single day. He was never not mamba. You know what I mean? Right. That's um, and I think, yeah, that's just, that's, Man, Kobe's something else, like competitive spirit. And then you just feel like he has control, right? When he gets on the court um, or when you see that look come over his face and, like, that's Black Mamba mode, it's over. We're going to win this game, you know? And I think that's what we want from any athlete, any team, is embody that persona and then go win, you know? Like, if that's who you are, then that makes you successful. Um, And I think Kobe taught a lot of us that. Like, I know I didn't play basketball, right? But I grew up watching him. And his dedication to his game, his craft, his persona, his competitiveness, his his desire to win, um, you know, I think that that shapes you. And I would definitely consider him a massive influence in my career, honestly, you know, um, you know, teaching me to be competitive, teaching me to to love winning, teaching me to want to get that edge um, and then to be something that other people aren't you know hey this is where I stand this is who I'm going to be in every aspect of my life and I think that's one of the things I love most about him is he embodied that period every single day and and you never question like if Kobe was in the game it was never like who is he going to be today we know who he's going to be um you know and so I think that that's exciting and and part of what I try to drive home with that mentality whatever it is be a monster be a dog be whatever you are you know be that every day like let's train you to be that and then when we step on the court we don't have to worry are you gonna go be a monster yeah she's gonna go be a monster you know that's so, so. cool I love <laughs> that also makes me think too like the crazy time we're in just in the world like a lot of people like to some people sports are just this extracurricular thing right that people do but then here like you hearing you glowingly talk about that <clears throat> have kobe bryant in the nba in a sport that you didn't play competitively after a certain point when you're still very young and he still had this immense impact on your career 
it's just crazy what sports can do Absolutely. for society, for an individual. And yeah. We're missing it. Now we don't have it currently. Yes. Yeah, it is a weird time. I think it's definitely difficult for a lot of people right now. But yeah, I mean, you find somebody like that that's so invested in whatever they're doing, it's hard to it's hard to not fall in love with that and try to like emulate it in yourself, you know? <clears throat> so do you have a, like, a bunch of Kobe jerseys? Do you have <laughs> I have a few. I have a few. few. I have a couple books. I have I have a lot of Kobe uh memorabilia. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> I got. I just got a couple more. Things. One I should have asked earlier, but um, so we all like it's all of us have gone through job searches, job interviews, things that we didn't necessarily like. We didn't get. We've all been denied a job or a position. What are something? I think you'll have a great answer to this. What's something you've taken away that has also helped propel your career? To where it's at now right because we've talked about the influence of csun and the first time you walk into the weight room and, and that, <clears throat> that. what talk, talk about something coming from like a failure or like a shortcoming and you're like well that has shaped what i'm doing now like yeah i think um you know those moments that i look back on that i feel like they were a failure i think what i took the most and i can think of one in particular what i took the most is who I didn't want to be in this industry. Um, and I think when you're trying to develop yourself, like the two most important things that you're going to learn, you're going to learn either from a person or from experiences who you don't want to be and who you need to be. Um, you know, like I said, I, I learned who I needed to be at New Mexico state, but you know, one time that I feel like there's massive failure is, you know, I was in a situation, I was like, I, I, I don't want to be this person. Like, this is who I never want to be. I never want to be around this again. I never want to feel this way again. Um, you know, I want to create an environment and a staff and a culture around me that's, that's opposite of this. And so I think in that time I was struggling with trying to be successful, maybe in an area that, that wasn't particularly for me or wasn't healthy for me. And so I think, you know, from those moments, it, it just teaches you who you don't want to be. I think it's a valuable lesson. And anytime I feel myself, even getting an inkling of, of thinking like that or acting like that. I'm like, Hey, snap out of that. Like you learned that lesson a long time ago. That's who you don't want to be. Um, and so I think, you know, hard to think about those times, right? We never, we don't want to think too much about failure, but I think that humbles me a lot. You know, it keeps me where I know I need to be instead of, you know, going into something that maybe is not the best for me. Right. Cool. That's very valuable. I love it. Um, Then another thing that strongly resonated with me that you said, you told our kids when you're talking to our, oh, see, now you got me thinking about it. You told our players um, <laughs> understanding your why. And you had a, a boss early on and said, well, what is your, what's your why? What's your end goal? I'll kind of let you tell the story because I loved it. Yeah. And then I'd love to hear it again. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when we're trying to, develop our own wire or help develop a why in an athlete um you know what you're thinking about is what's your bigger purpose like why are you doing this and so i had um you know a boss a director who asked me and within my first week of being at the job well you know what's your why what's your goal and i said well i want to be a director i want to run my own program and he just looked at me and he said and and i said well that's it like i want to run my own program and he said that's not good enough and that's all he said to me um and i remember sitting and then I was saying no follow-up there was no follow-up it was just it and I was stunned by by what he had said to me 
Um, so I didn't say anything either. And so I sat there thinking, you know, initially, like, who, who is this person to tell me that my goal is not good enough? It is my goal. And like, don't we all want to be directors at some point? Like, how are you going to tell me that my goal is not good enough? Um, but as I've gone through my career and as I've developed my own, realized what my why is and developed my own why, he's right. Like being a director, that's a job goal, right? But that's not good enough if you're going to stay in an industry like this. Um, so I think, you know, developing my why I had to think about and something that I've talked to, to the team about is, you know, a bigger purpose. Like, yeah, I want to be director, but what does that mean? How am I going to impact people? Um, you know, so what I've developed is that, you know, my why is about being who I didn't have. Um, you know, as a strength coach, as a coach, as a mentor, as, a, you know, a, a female to look up to, I want to be who I didn't have. And so, yes, my goal is still to become a director, um, you know, and I'm making the steps I need to make in my career. But ultimately, my bigger purpose is be who I didn't have, right? Give that to give that to the next generation of coaches, give that to the athletes that come into my weight room. Um, and I think that that like, if, if I was to call him right now and be like, hey, this is my goal, he'd be like, there you go. You know, like that's good enough, <laughs> you know? Um, but it, it's not just about that, you know, you kind of tie the process into it. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Francis, this was great. I think that's a great place to end. I love <laughs> Again, understanding your why, understanding your purpose. But yeah. again, thank you for your time. Um, if anyone wants to, you know, if anyone listens to this and has questions about strength and conditioning, your path, anything or the other, yeah. what's a good email uh, to reach you at? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my email at, at the university, so it's just fstevenson at um, niu.edu. And I think you can find me on the website this point. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, right? <laughs> that's the best way, I think. Uh, email and then, you know, connect via do, telephone. Do you have Twitter? I don't know if I know that. I do not. Um, okay. Something that has been brought to my attention recently is I need to be better with social media. So <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, they can email you. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Email. But again, thanks. And like I said, I'll, I'll say it again. Well, we feel your investment daily. I'm excited for you to continue to shape our kids uh, into being monsters. And then, yeah, you keep working at your why. And we see that. And I know it's going to pay dividends for all the sports here at NIU. So again, I appreciate your time, Francis. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Have a good one.